and welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today is the 5th of May 2021 and with us we have got Kerry and Mike McEwen. So Kerry and Mike are both directors of Rent My House and the Matrix Developments and Matrix Consultancy. So it's great to have you guys on as the podcast because you have featured uh, throughout the YPN in the magazine and through some of the, our training programs as well, especially the uh, serviced accommodation. And um, yeah, so it's great to have you on. Do you want to start by telling us a bit about yourselves and um, what have you been up to in your property journey so far? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, hello. Um, so it's great to be back and to sort of get the opportunity to, to chat to you again. Um, so my name is Mike McEwen. Um, I'm a director of um, Matrix Development predominantly and, and then also sort of uh, rentmyhouse.co.uk, which is our service accommodation business as well. So, um, yeah, so I sit more on the, the house build side of things. Uh, we do renovations, commercial conversions and obviously ground up development. And um, I, so I'm Carey McEwen. I deal mainly or cover the service accommodation side of things, but also part of Matrix Consultancy, where we um, help and train other service accommodation providers. So we've, um, we've helped numerous people over the last three years. To either set up um, a unit from scratch or expand their portfolio or generally just um, build up their business and, and move it forward. Great. And, uh, you know, it's uh, sounds like quite the team you've got there <laughs> um, yeah, covering all bases. It, was it always, you know, we always had an interest in property uh, or was it, was it something you moved into from a different career? Yeah, it's always been our passion, um, a passion that we both share. We're also husband and wife and we, um, I started, I left school and started an apprenticeship with a letting agency, worked my way up through the ranks and became a partner in the business. Then the um, other partner wanted to retire, so gave us first refusal on buying the business. Mike gave up his job that was in manufacturing um, at the time and came across to help. So we ran that for eight years. So our, we, before that, we were landlords ourselves. So it, the, the passion's always been there, really, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we started a family really young. So we were landlords, you know, our late teens, early 20s. So <laughs> we sort of sat the other side of the fence. And then we got the opportunity to sort of buy the lesson agency. Um, it just seemed like the, the next step, really, the, the right move for us. And, and sort of everything, um, property is an interest to us, really, isn't it? That was a sort of the, the basis, really, for then us moving into the the serviced accommodation world and the hospitality side of things. We love that sort of customer interaction. And then obviously, you know, beyond that as well, then the development side of things and the actual sort of house building. So yeah, it, it works really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems to cover all property bases, really, apart from yeah, HMOs the, at the moment. The businesses um, complement each other, really. Yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like it. And so obviously, you've, you've come into the service accommodation world with already a lot of experience and a lot of contacts. Um, but what was it that made you move from the, you know, being a landlord to service accommodation? Because it's quite a, it's a very different business model, even to that of a letting agency. Um, what, you know, how, how did that transition work and how did you find it? Well, I'd been in the lettings industry for almost 25 years and was kind of getting a little bit tired of it. It was all I'd known and it became, um, 
hard work to be honest when um a lot, we of, legislation, a lot of yeah a lot of new legislation um properties coming out of our ears um 15 up to 15 members of staff at any one time and just wanted to com- do something completely different I say completely different it was still property related but we had our restrictions to begin with when we sold the business so we couldn't um, operate in and around a 15 20 mile radius of of the city so we did a a stint of some business consultancy helping other people with their systems and procedures and, and growing their business so we went our kind of separate ways didn't we but had um clients that we um, looked after but in different sides of the businesses so we did that for a while really really enjoyed that and then I came across um, what was then kind of the start of service accommodation and went on a course came back to our hometown and, and gave it a go and haven't looked back since it was really sort of we were able to take the the I think the the nicer sides of the letting industry. We looked after sort of in excess of sort of 600 properties and it led to, um, I mean, with that volume, you've got an awful lot of um, move-ins, move-outs, communications with landlords and tenants and an awful lot of conflict when you're at that volume. And I think with the service accommodation side of things, we'd like the fact that we still had that sort of customer interaction, but it was, um, I suppose, on a much nicer level, certainly, Obviously, we have corporate guests and bits and pieces that stay for work, but, you know, the leisure guests are here to holiday there. They've got a completely different mindset to perhaps maybe a tenant that, you know, has lived in a property for X amount of years. And, you know, it, it, it's very, very different. So we found it was a much nicer, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming here potentially on holiday or, you know, I mean, it's not too nice if they have to come here to work, but it's um, it's providing that home from home experience and and they you know it's generally a really nice industry to be in yeah what kind of things stood out from you for you so you went on the course and then you um, started with your first uh your first property and what what did you do i suppose did you use what you learned from the course i suppose to an extent but was there things that stood out that you surprised you at the beginning um about actually setting up that's a new business and dealing with a different type of uh, guest rather than I, I, think, I think we both looked at it and thought that actually because of our experience it would be quite easy to do um we obviously we had the contacts we knew how to sort of systemize and and you know run a business in a manner that you know it should be run um we you know once we set the business up and had it sort of up and running we were quite you know it was quite easy for us to be able to sort of take a, a step back because of the the experience that um, certainly that Carey had because of the having the letter agency with obviously the volume of properties, the staff and bits and pieces. I think you said it would be quite, quite easy to do. <laughs> I did think it would be quite easy. And I think for me, when we took over the letting agency, there was us and one other. Then when we had the property crash, all the estate agents started doing lettings, ones that had never done lettings before. And one large estate agent when we sold up had um, over 400 properties that they managed so we had a lot of competition and I think what I liked with the service accommodation side of things is that nobody had done that yet in our hometown so it was you know being a, a step ahead of everyone else really and four years on almost four years with we're still the only agency in the city as well so I think that that was 
something that I was keen to do, just something a bit different. I mean, even now we, we live in quite an agricultural area and even now people don't really understand what we do. Yeah. So the um, as the agency then, do you have any of your own properties for serviced accommodation that you, uh, you know, are sort of directly yours um, rather than management? Yeah, so there's a combination of properties that we own, um, an element that we manage for other clients that um, were previous um, sort of clients of ours um, when we had the letting agency and, and also new clients as well. Um, and then in the early days, we also had some rent to rent properties as well. And I think that that was a good stepping stone because that helped us to sort of launch, become established and and to sort of learn at pace, I suppose, as well. And the so tell us about the first property or the first deal that you had for the service accommodation. And how did you find it and how how did you work out that actually this was at least worth a try? So by the time we went on the course, we had um, a property that we, well, it was Mike's mum's property, actually. She just bought um, a coach house above some garages, um, a little two bed, and she was going to put it on as a standard let. So she said that we could have it for six months. We furnished it. It took us ages to to get it right and to understand (laughs) what we were doing and put it on booking.com and Airbnb and within oh, a couple of hours had our first booking. So we we did everything ourselves initially. We did the one night stays, which we don't do anymore, but just to try and build some momentum. And that was back in the October. And in the January took on another rent to rent who um, the owner was a previous client of ours from the letting agency days. So it was somebody who trust us and and kind of you could explain what we were trying to do and that turned then into three in the march so within the first six months we had five properties i'm a firm believer that you've you've got to do these things we did the housekeeping for the first two to begin with the the linen um the turnarounds everything just to get an idea of what was involved mainly so we could pass that on then to the you know to a housekeeping team which we did quite quickly afterwards but also um so that we knew what management service we were offering because it was so different to the lettings yeah we didn't know at that stage if it was scalable either so we had to think i think experience all those bits and pieces and as carrie said there you know within the matter of a few months it took us weeks to furnish and organize the first one but then when we were up at sort of number five i think we got the keys to that property um, in the morning and by 3 p.m. that afternoon, we had the first guest move in wow. because we became so organised and were able to put everything where it needed to be. So even just in that sort of small period of time and and as things sort of progressed, we could see that that, that worked, there was a demand and, and every time we added another property, they just still couldn't meet the demand. Right. And in the terms of the demand then, what sort of, figures were you working towards was it like 70 percent occupancy throughout the year um or was it just too early to tell because you kind of you know you were starting midway through a year and then yeah when we we had our first um property because it was a family member we didn't really look at any figures we we just took the risk of furnishing it just to see how things went nobody else was doing it in our time so we couldn't we couldn't try and gauge what occupancy we really were going to have we just literally 
threw ourselves in at the deep end and uh, and swam. <laughs> so um, yeah, based on figures. But then you you only need one or two, and then that gives you a really good idea. And within a couple of months, we were up to like ninety five percent occupancy, if what not the the first couple of months with the first um, two or three properties because there was just nothing you know there was no competition here so it was literally us or staying with us or in a hotel or b&b i think some of the those apartments that we added at the time we worked out um our break even was about 60 percent occupancy but we knew we had demand for over 90 so um it just made sense to, to continue to add them really yeah absolutely and um so you talked to a lot about the systems as well and perhaps bringing some over from the letting side and service accommodation has some very specific systems that are needed uh, in order to you know operate on a bigger scale so what you know obviously you, you're talking about from the first time that you uh, took on the first deal and then six months later with you know property number five things were very different so what's you know what do you advise people to do now that um from day one what systems should they put in place you need a channel manager so in the beginning again um we just put it on the first property on airbnb and booking.com and every time somebody booked through booking.com we'd have to block it off on airbnb so we didn't have any double bookings and that in itself was challenging if you were driving along um to a property and things like that because it's so so they were getting booked up so quickly so after the second property, we got a channel manager um, and we took on the housekeeping team. So it was system putting systems in place to communicate with them um, in the most efficient way, um, communicating the bookings that were coming in, in which would then turn you know, into a turnaround for them. We um, integrated or incorporated a, a maintenance team, didn't we? You were yeah, involved yeah. in that it was it was a very different time then as well so i mean this is we're going back sort of four years ago now so a lot of the things that are available now um in respect to software and bits and pieces weren't really about then or they were but they were sort of in their infancy um so we've had to sort of as time's gone on tag things on and and tried things and tested things so certainly you need a channel manager and you know you need a communication tool other than email and you need a task management tool they they're the three things that any any operator looking at a sort of startup really needs and and needs to you know, you know be covered in those areas isn't it so when you say communication tool um for direct messaging with the guests or within the team um and is that done on automation or yeah, yeah. i mean it's both really isn't it i mean we, so we had um bits and pieces to communicate with our own team. So um, the linen provider, the the maintenance teams, the housekeeping teams, but then also you need to have something that's, um, that looks pretty, but is also functional and is consistent for the guests. Mm. Yeah. And um, automated the messages for the guests. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, I hear that um, one of the more common issues that people have around the management of service accommodation is the housekeeping team and have it and, and obviously the reviews are everything with mm-hmm. service accommodation so how do you manage the the housekeeping team to make sure that they know just how important you know the standard of the cleaning needs to be um we do uh, yeah. spot checks so um we 
we well we don't employ we use um two different housekeeping companies so they've got their own team so we're in direct contact with the directors of the companies so if we've got an issue or a problem we'll contact the the directors of the the teams or the company direct and I think that helps a lot. Um, we sit with them on a, a regular basis, at least monthly, and go over any problems, but also go over um, good reviews that we've received. So I think the relationship with the housekeeping team, especially the, the directors, is very important. We're very lucky in that respect because we use two um, successful, perhaps slightly smaller family-run businesses. So obviously... You know, they they sort of buy into our ethos in respect of, you know, the reviews are important, the standard, the consistency. I think um, it would be more difficult to perhaps deal with maybe a, a, like a larger franchise or somewhere where um, we're a much sm- sort of smaller fish in their, in their pond, as it were. So we're lucky in that respect, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, we like I said, we do do spot checks, not every property, every single time, but we... Um, we mix it up so that um, we we make sure that each property is good standard, you know, for each guest that arrives. They've they've all got it down to a fine art now. Um, the only problem is when they get new members of staff, it's, you know, training them and making sure that they um, they meet the standards. But we, like I said, we are very lucky. They all take great pride in what they do. And it's really important to praise them when we do have some really good reviews as well. We're just welcoming back our leisure guests now. And that's even more important than your contractors that maybe come Monday to Friday and, you know, um, mainly men potentially that, that don't see, you know, um, something that might be um, astray rather than, you know, the, the mum that comes on the weekend with the children, things like that. So, it's important. They they know that no matter who arrives, it's got to be a really, really good standard. And we do get some really good reviews. I suppose yeah. the, um, it's quite an instant feedback loop, isn't it? If you, you know, if something's oh, not right, then you, you find out straight away. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. We always ask them to email us a review. Um, I'd say probably 60 or 70% of people do that, which is really good because they tend to be um, a bit more honest when they're emailing us direct rather than being you know um saying standard things on on the portal reviews mm, yeah and um so the the other thing is the maintenance team because you know, if you've got as, as a landlord and you know it's, it's hard enough trying to find maintenance teams that are available when you need them you know at the right price and and all the rest of it so how does that work where you have potentially a guest that's there's raised an issue at 10 o'clock in the morning they're leaving at 11 and the next next guest is arriving um do you have sort of 24 7 uh, maintenance teams on hand we have um i mean whilst we were um sort of scaling the business we had to be mindful we didn't grow too quickly too soon because we've had to obviously bring the clean teams in rather than having just one company we work with two to allow them to sort of to grow and, and meet those consistent levels rather than trying to sort of add so many properties so soon that that they can't sort of reach that level and it's the same with the maintenance guys um we don't just use one company or one person we've got again we're quite lucky we've got a team of of individuals that we can call on you know a handful really skilled reliable guys that generally um they they're not 
sort of um, tied up on, on long projects, as it were, they do different bits and pieces, which are on, on a much smaller scale. So they can down tools and come across and help us with certain things. We try to keep some properties in certain individuals' remits and then others with other guys, just so you don't really, so you, there isn't always a crossover. If there is, it's not too much of a problem, but it's just, I think, because they get consistent work from us as well. Um, we obviously pay them consistently, all that sort of you know, really good working relationship that they, um, they tend to be able to down tools, luckily enough, to come to us if, if we need them to at any given time in an emergency, don't they? Mm, yeah, they, they really do look after us. They know how urgent it is when you've got that window or even with guests that um, are in there for a week and they've got a problem with something mid-stay. You know, they, they know that it's it's urgent. It's, it's like a hotel. You know, they have to get, the item has to get repaired or replaced straight away. Yeah. They, 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 they've, I suppose they're like our stakeholders, aren't they? They really sort of buy into what we're trying to do. And, and these guys are brilliant. You know, the cleaning teams, the maintenance guys that we use, they all want us to be successful. Um, and as part of that, they see their little bit in being able to do, you know, sort of what we need them to do um, when we need them to do it. And, and that's worked really, really well, hasn't it? Mm, right. And what about, uh, you know, the sort of you mentioned there about scaling and making sure you're not taking on too many properties at once I think that's where I see some people getting unstuck um, and you know it, not through you know good intentions is that they're keen and eager and they they can see that they are they're able to sort of offer a service at one level but they don't realize actually the volume um, coming in if you if you add too many at once then it's uh, it becomes very stressful very quickly um but how have you managed that going forward then and uh, are you are you still growing now or have you sort of decided that you know you're you're okay where you are and happy with what you can manage yeah we we decided um about 18 months ago that we were happy where we are now i do um feel i know some other operators say there's no such thing as a saturation point but we did hit um, about, like I said, about 18 months ago, a situation where we weren't getting as many bookings for every single property as we were used to. And, and I do think it is, it is a small city and there's only so much tourism and things that, you know, tourists that you can accommodate and contractors. We are going through a huge regeneration program at the moment. So we have been really lucky that we've had the contractors during all the lockdowns still arrive and, and keep us going. But um, it is, it is I, I, we feel that it, it's, we've reached our saturation point now. Um, we, we don't feel that any more properties, we, we, do, we do the client justice really. If we were to take on more, somewhere else along the line someone else is going to suffer with their property potentially yeah. so we we're happy with where things are aren't we yeah and i think we've sort of we've we've monitored the market the demand and i think we've got flexibility fortunately in our portfolio where because we own a, a large proportion of the properties um and we only had a very small amount of sort of rent to rent properties um i think the issue can come with with some operators where they're very highly geared on the rent to rent side of things they've they've entered into um a contract a commitment for a period of time and, and so you know quite often there's very little wiggle room with that so if you haven't got the demand then individuals can find themselves perhaps in a little bit of a sort of sticky situation um 
but again, because of how we've sort of we've scaled it, we've we've grown our own portfolio. We've selectively um, got managed clients, uh, obviously suitable properties, suitable individuals in in the right areas, and, and we've really sort of um, pulled the rent to rent side of things back now. I think it was very good in the early days to help us to um, to launch. Um, and to understand the management side of things, wasn't it? But yeah, I think we've we've just done it in that way to to allow ourselves, you know, flexibility. And, and twelve months ago, when we sort of had the the pandemic come along, um, you know that that was really fortuitous for us, wasn't it? Because mm. we weren't in a situation where I know a lot of other operators perhaps were that still had that commitment with lots and lots of rent to rent properties. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, difficult times for many. And was there anything that you know now everyone's talking about the staycation boom and you know service accommodation properties are just full across the country um commanding peak prices and you know demand like you haven't seen before what what's your learning been from going from one extreme to another (laughs) i think last year we we did worry a lot because we overnight as soon as they um announced lockdown all our leisure guests for the whole year and contractors at that point as well because there was no construction work initially just cancelled and and our and our bank account went to zero and minus <laughs> minus figures as well like in the space of three or four days and we did think oh my word what how are we going to get out of this and we did have a rocky um few weeks and months really didn't we and then when the construction industry was allowed to to restart again that had a massive impact on us and we've kind of um say broken even during each lockdown um we've we tend to break even monday to friday and then all the leisure guests on the weekend um have in the past been our profit so it's it's got us by um but then as soon as um they announced that on the 12th of april people could start traveling again we've seen you know a massive influx in bookings which is which is brilliant so you do have to where possible stick with it i can see why a lot of people gave up and handed back their their properties their rent to rents and things like that because it was a really hairy few weeks but um you know we're we're glad we've come out the other side and only been able to do that because a lot of them were our own properties or other people's you know clients properties and and they had the opportunity to to stick with it or or put it onto a standard let as well and they all stuck with it so it's um it is a little bit of a emotional roller coaster and it's also um work-wise quite a roller coaster because one minute you you know you have you've hardly got anything to do and the next minute you're inundated with bookings so no you've got to ride the waves a little bit really and it's the same it's been a you know the same for a lot of industries and sort of myself coming from a manufacturing background is very much like that as well you obviously you, you have your highs and you have your lows and, and it's just structuring the business in such a way that you can you know you can ride both really yeah I think that's really important isn't it um setting things up from you know from the get-go and I think with the rent to essay I think there's a uh, a more flexible model potentially coming out whereas instead of guaranteeing a rent there might be a profit share and it's a bit more maybe some break clauses or shorter shorter term or more um, perhaps more due diligence um, or more negotiation on the the rent and more flexibility and certainly I would imagine a lot of 
contracts having clauses for future lockdowns and uh, and the impacts that might have that the the you know these are risks that are outside of the operator's control so that i think you know it's only fair that it's shared between the owner and uh, and the operator uh, or at least there's some flexibility in there i think you're right and it's interesting that you mentioned the profit share that's a it's a model that um i think just by chance really we yeah. developed with a few of our clients um in the early days where it is literally that we you know we have a, a much um, higher percentage but they also then share the risk as well and um and again that's worked really well hasn't it, it so has. we've had different sort of i suppose different eggs in different sort of baskets although it's all under the same umbrella different and it's worked in different ways which has been really good hasn't it yeah the um the shared profit side of things that has worked really well and it gives us like mike said more of a management fee but we've we shared the cost of the furniture in the beginning mm-hmm. and share the bills and share the profit and the owners of each month continually come out with more each month than they would do if they were on a standard let that sounds like a great win-win all around then <laughs> yes yeah, it is um so what's next then uh you say you know things quite stable at the moment in terms of where you're at with the business are you nervous about um service accommodation being a you know a very hot topic in the property world and and dare I say people kind of jumping on the bandwagon but seeing the profits and thinking well if I'm going to pick any strategy I may as well pick service accommodation because I want to get off my job quicker and this seems like the fastest route because of the the higher profits um have you seen any you know more kind of influx of competition in your area that that you're worried about or yeah we have over the years to be honest um not with any other agency but individuals with um single property operators yeah. yeah or um you know extensions and and you know different parts of their house available so yeah in the area we have seen um, a lot more um, individuals go onto the likes of Airbnb than we did um, four years ago but um, I, I think for us we we've reached the limit that we want to manage it allows us to have just a VA in the Philippines and our son um, work for us as well uh, full-time and I think it's a case now that we just want to perfect what we've got we're continually improving our systems and procedures we want to make sure that um, we get our price in especially this year and make possibly next year as well just right so that we're not um, really really expensive but you know that our clients get the best rates possible um, given the staycation boom and things like that so it's just working on it and perfecting it yes you can um, you could where there's a margin to charge more because you might be you know the last the last property left in the village um versus getting that extra gold star for good value yeah exactly yeah Yeah, I, i do worry that putting the prices up to a stupid level which i know some operators are doing is going to cause potentially negative reviews because people are going to be expecting yeah such a high standard and i'd like to think ours are a high standard but what what is a high standard you know what what is five stars so i I do think it's going to cause a few problems um for a few operators in the sense that you know people are paying thousands and thousands of pounds they're going to want you know a really 
top quality property. And I think because we're at the level we can manage, we continually revisit these properties and update and 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 do work um, on what we've already got, as opposed to continually spending all our time trying to add more yes. and more yeah. and more. Um, because obviously with that brings, you know, its own issues and, and problems and capacity and everything else. And I do think you, you run the risk of the standard dropping. Um, so, you know, I think it's just really, like you say, perfecting what we've got. Continually decorating things like yeah, that, you know, yeah. and making sure that, you know, when a, a property has, you know, 10 knives and forks, you know, a few years later, they're not going to have 10 knives and forks. <laughs> you know? so we're constantly doing property audits and, and just making sure that every single property is, you know, fit for, for every guest. Yeah, yeah, that's really important, isn't it? Just reinvesting and, um, yeah. I realize uh, someone said the other day one of my properties we haven't got enough pans and it's like okay well great I'll just go and get some more you know we'll order some more pans you know deliver the next day on Amazon but um until people say then um I suppose it's a bit more with service accommodation because obviously people are giving you that feedback every day but um a great idea to do the audits as well and just have that those standards in place which I think really you know once you get to that level where you are working on the business more than you're working in the business you've got that headspace a breathing space to actually put those systems in place and and get you know get that kind of perfection in uh in motion yeah it's too late when they've left a bad review to say they have yes that's true there, yeah. you know and things like yeah. that we try and always you know keep ahead of the game and it's, it's not easy. I mean, you mentioned the competition. I mean, we're not we're not overly concerned about sort of competition in, in our area because what we do isn't easy. And I think some people do assume that service accommodation is, you know, a quick buck and it is easy to do. And it really, really isn't. It is, you know, labour intensive and it is very involved, isn't it, compared to obviously, you know, letting on a, a standard tenancy. And there's, there's obviously the right way to do things, but it's quite easy to cut corners and... and and you will get found out and so I think you know it does make me giggle sometimes because I think well I know what we do isn't yeah. easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great well any final thoughts for people to you know I think that we've covered some uh, some great gems there today and um, for, I suppose anyone who's thinking of who's starting a service accommodation business whether that's management or rent to SA or they've got their own portfolio that they're considering you know converting or just experimenting where would they you know any best practice that we haven't covered yet I think that um anyone looking at this to sort of start it up they need to obviously um do a lot of research in the area that they've chosen um but also spend some time educating themselves to really understand what what this industry is about and and obviously what you need in order to be able to um to deliver a good product consistently to do it all correctly um i think they're the, the key points yeah really. and i think um again from our letting agency days we made sure that every property had its relevant safety certificates and things like that and i know like with the sa side of things there's very few regulations at the moment and i'm, I'm sure they'll they'll arrive but at the moment, you know, just make sure that the house is in a fit um, and tidy condition, fit for purpose. So, you know, get your gas appliances checked that you have to do by law and, and the electrics checked and do a fire risk assessment and and think, you know, um, as if you were a hotel and all the regulations that they'd have to follow. 
you know, okay, it's a, a self-contained apartment or or house, but it, it's still got to be safe for your guests. Yeah, you definitely want to be sleeping easy at night and not definitely about things like that. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, that came second nature to us, and it's something yeah. that we just continue to do. Yeah. And yeah. even if regulations do come in, we know that we're we're already, already yeah, absolutely great. Well, where can people find out more about yourselves and follow what you're up to? Um, we're on all the social media platforms. So our SA side of things, the agency is called rentmyhouse.co.uk. And um, as I said before, I help other um, operators, no matter how um small or large they they want their portfolio to become or if they're established and they just want to grow their business so you'll find that at matrixconsultancygroup.co.uk fantastic that's great well thank you so much for your time and um, we look forward to seeing you as part of our uh, ypn total essay training as well so if anyone's interested in that then um, just go to our your property network uh, .co.uk for more information and um, we've got some case studies um, from Carrie and Mike on that programme as well so uh, thank you again for time and um, we will look forward to seeing you again soon thank yeah, you very thank much you. thanks take care thank you to everyone for joining us and if you are not yet a subscriber to the magazine please click the link in the show notes for your free copy of the magazine see you next time guys bye